Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again and welcome to episode 126 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Jay Duke. And this is another outside broadcast episode of the podcast. We're bringing you this live from Thunderbird Stadium. It's the final USL game of the season, Whitecaps 2 and Austin Aztecs. So there'll be a little bit of background noise, a little bit of wind. Hopefully not as much wind as the last podcast, which many apologies for, because that really was dreadful sound quality. Um, So we're going to try and negate that this episode. So hopefully you hear us, there'll be some crowd atmosphere as well, but it just adds to it all, doesn't it? And we're a little bit down. We had to watch Seattle Sounders come to BC Place, score three goals, lift the Cascadia Cup, grasp it from the sweaty palms of the supporters' groups. Steve, you were lucky you were at a funeral. Yes, so I will excuse myself from this conversation and let Jay do take over. And... I was kind of wishing I was at a funeral yesterday watching that. Um, obviously not a close relative, but just like a distant one, because there there wasn't a lot of positives to take for the game. There was some which we'll come to, but like, Jay, what, what did you make of the overall game? Well, I, I, I'm actually going to be the, the glass half full guy now. I, I mean, Seattle played a perfect game, uh, so credit to them, but... What it came down to is the Whitecaps had three very good, or two excellent and one good scoring chance in the first half and failed to capitalize on them. And then, of course, right before the half, Seattle comes in and pinches one on one of their only chances. And that's pretty much the game, because then Seattle can come out on the second half with a completely different game plan and just stifle the Whitecaps and try to hit on the break, which they did and did successfully. Now, I think you got to give a lot of credit for the Whitecaps for coming out in the second half and, and really being on the front foot. The, the pessimist in me says, why didn't they just do that from the start? Because you know that they have the, they have the ability to take it to a team like like Seattle so why didn't they just do that from from the start it was a little bit cagey and it probably didn't have to be as cagey as it was the, the way that they played the second half I mean that that is a positive they, they fought non-stop Russell Tiber I thought was excellent he he hustled for every ball he he really put in a, a great performance um, the first half I mean it came down to taking chances Whitecaps had numerous chances Seattle had one and they took it Mark Rogers made a, a really good point in the post-game show that 
after the game, the, the Whitecaps players and Cal Robinson was going on about, well, we didn't take our chances, that was the difference, etc, etc. But ultimately that's what the game's about, it's about taking chances and scoring goals. I, I know you can look at like ifs and buts and, and everything like that. I mean, you talk about chances not being taken, I mean, it, it was... The, the game swivelled in, in the space of two minutes. Tashira had the chance, he didn't bury it, and we've seen him score some fantastic goals. Looking at it again, some folks were saying he should maybe have passed, but I don't really think there was anyone he could have passed to that, that would have made a difference. Rosales was at the edge of the box, but I thought Rosales had a bit of a stinker, and I'm a, everyone knows how big a fan I am of Rosales. I, I, I wouldn't have bit him and putting that away. So Tashira did right, great bit of control, bringing the ball down and having the shot, but you have to take our, our chances, and, and we didn't. I think that the good thing about the game is that other results have gone in our favour this week. We're still top of the supporter shield. Which is unbelievable. New York's drawn level on points by beating Portland today, but we've got the tiebreaker and wins. So it wasn't a disastrous loss, but with five games to go, it's how we bounce back from that now. Yeah, and I mean, it stings extra because it was against Seattle, and it stings even more because it was for a cup, you know, and they, they, they could have won another piece of silverware. Uh, but... You know, you uh, we've had those those games go the other direction as well. So I think it all evens out in the end. And it, and the Whitecaps have done well this year at bouncing back after poor performances or losses. And as long as they can do that and beat a team that they have to be able to beat at home uh, in New York City this coming week, um, that's going to be the most important. So I don't want to talk too much about the Seattle game because it is just depressing. But I mean, for, for you, Jay, is there any players that particularly stood out, either good or bad, for, from the match? Yeah, I, I thought uh, the midfield actually, despite being out-possessed uh, through the game, especially the, the first half there, um, I thought Tybert and Kofi both played pretty well. Specifically, Tybert was all over the place. Um, I, I, I thought they did well. Um, I thought both Rivero and Ros Rosales had pretty big off nights. Um, probably one of Rivero's worst, uh, actually. He um, just he didn't look himself out there, and he's there's probably questions going to be being asked now and throughout the off season if unless he really goes on a goal scoring streak here, whether or not he's going to be the answer going forward as as your striker because he's doing all the right things usually, but if you don't score as a striker, uh, you know your 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 options are going to be limited to where you can play. The issue with that, though, is what options do they have other than Rivera at this point? Because uh, uh, as we we've heard, we're hearing, Maddox might be injured more than uh, people that are not. Well, well, it's and it's not something that's going to solve itself this year. He's going to have the rest of the season playing every every single minute of every single game. Uh, but uh, yeah, they were they were poor. I thought uh, Manewa had a bit of an off game as well. Tachera did what he what he could out there, and despite having a couple tragic moments, I, I thought. Uh, Jordan Smith did all right. Um, he looks he looks very good going forward. Uh, one of the things I noticed about him is he he doesn't just go wide and add that that width in attack, but he also will come inside and almost help out like an extra midfielder. Uh, so I, I you know there's, there's a lot of potential there. He was made to look pretty poor on the Ivan Schitt's goal though. Um, misplayed the man, and then when the ball came in, he missed that too. So you can you can you can miss either the man or the ball, but you can't miss both, and that's what he did. And uh, he made was made to look really bad for it. So overall, not a great performance all anywhere. Now the thing with Rivero, I, I thought that the the first half of the first half, he looked really up for it. He was putting himself about. He had three chances in the space of about five minutes, and. 
I think once he, he once Fry stopped him twice, or stopped him once and then he curled the other one like by the post, his confidence just seemed to go. It's like he felt, okay, this is not going to be my night, I'm not going to get anything. And then after that, we didn't see him as an attacking presence for the rest of the game. The worry that I have is like Matix is now out with a rib injury. From what we heard from one of the other players, he was really struggling for breath on Friday at training, so wasn't able to, to make the bench on Saturday. Unlikely to be featuring midweek now either. And the, the big issue that we have is if, if this becomes prolonged, we don't have really anyone else up front if Rivero's not in form and you wanted to drop Rivero or if Rivero gets injured or if Rivero gets suspended from yellow card accumulation, which I think he's he's two away from now. But if something happens that Rivero's out of the team and Matix is injured, we don't have a striker really that can come in because Caleb Clark's not had any minutes in the first team. He's played to USL. So, I mean, Ernie's old. Ernie's old and he hasn't had very many game time either. But what, then why then why have Earnshaw? I've been on this all year. No, if I'm, I'm, I'm saying that the, he he's going to be an option. He obviously I think he can't play, but how effective is he going to be considering he hasn't played much? I, I agree with you, but all I'm saying is that this is this has been one of the very few mismanagements on on Robinson's part. Earnshaw could pr- provide something to a team. He's not going to be as good of a hold-up player, but he can hold on to the ball. He's good with his feet. He'll play in other players. He certainly can finish. So 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 why not play him, Maddox? has been in extremely poor form all year including one of probably his worst performance of the year uh, on Wednesday before the injury so if if you're saying that 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 Earnshaw hasn't been playing enough to, to trust him at this point that's not Earnshaw's fault because he's on the squad that's what he should be there for and so if he had a lack of game time that that's on Robinson to to ensure that that he would be fit enough to get in and, and quite frankly he's such an experienced guy um, and such a professional I don't think it would be that big of a drop-off I don't uh, and I don't mean to say that that's no disrespect to, to Rivero who I'm I know is you know at this point a much better option but but Earnshaw's such a good professional he'll give you an honest effort and and he'll be okay out there if you had to start him uh, every game it's just whether or not he can go 90 every game we're going to see him, I would think, start up front against Seattle in the, the Champions League on Wednesday. I mean, he played the, the full game against Olympia on Wednesday. Didn't look fantastic, looked a little bit rusty, but that's understandable. He had, and his, chance, yeah, he had his chance near the end of the game, when, but he just knocked it off the goalkeeper's face, right? So there is, And he had that lively attempt at the bicycle, so he's definitely still got his stuff there. And he's a proven goal scorer. Yeah. Going into a season running, though, when there's so much on the line, it's like you kind of want a guy that's been playing a little bit this year. And that's my fear, that if anything happens to Rivero, we don't have, we don't have that guy that can maybe step up. But hopefully Earnshaw is the man. So the last thing I want to talk about from the, the Seattle game is there was the, the incident between Waston and Dempsey. After Seattle had gone 2-0 up, Waston went in for a tackle, won the ball, cleaned out Dempsey in the process, and Toledo didn't give a free kick. Then all of a sudden, he sees that Dempsey's down, calls the play back, books Waston, and I still don't actually think he gave him a free kick. I think it was a drop ball, but I don't think Seattle realised it was a drop ball and didn't give us the, the ball back. Do you think that there's any chance that MLS are going to review that and upgrade Waston's yellow to a red card for reckless play? I... I, I ha- would have to go back and look at it and look at the uh, the end of game report because um, I I don't even know if it was a given for dissent or if it was given for the tackle. 
because uh, uh, you know I, unless the fourth official said something to him like you know uh, indicated or one of the linesmen indicated that Waston should have got a card for it, um, it it's a shocking decision like like really bad to, to to come back and give a yellow card it just it, it reeks uh, again of the the issue that you have with transparency in the league and and uh, the, the the stars and the, the certain teams being given preferential treatment. But it seems that Waston, even in games, seems to be getting yellow cards all over the season purely based on reputation. That it wouldn't surprise me if the league reviews it uh, and, and has a look at it again. Um, purely on reputation. Oh, Kendall Waston got a you know questionable two-footed tackle. Let's have a look at it. I, I, I will have. I'd have to look at it again to see whether or not I, I. Upon first look in the in the in game there uh, on the big screen, I did not think it was a red card worthy uh, offense. But uh, I've been surprised all year with officiating and with review decisions a lot of the time. So. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, there has been some really strange decisions. I mean, looking back at it, I thought it was a good tackle. He clearly won the ball. It's whether they view that his studs were up a little bit and he whether he followed through and cleaned out Dempsey. I agree with you that because it's Waston, it's kind of a little bit tainted and it's like, are they, is reputation going to go ahead that he, he's a tough player? It's not, it's not a, as big a loss as if we didn't have like, some good guys to, to come in, but we, we have got good backups. But he's still, like, whenever Waston plays, he's just a beast, a beast up front. If he is going to be suspended, though, I'd like the suspension to be announced early so he can play midweek against Seattle. Because then if, he, if they know that he's not going to be available for the New York game, then it's like, fine, tell us early, let him play midweek in the, in the Champions League. But I think that, that's all I'm, I'm going to talk about the Seattle game just now. Of course, it was, a, it was a battle on Saturday. Another battle is going to be expected on Wednesday. Champions League down at the clink. If either team gets a win, then they, they've clinched a, a spot in the knockout rounds in the quarterfinals. It's what kind of side the Whitecaps are going to put out there. It does look like they might go with another fringe lineup, like what they did against Olympia. What's your thinking on that, Jay? Do you, do you think that they should go with a, a, a light lineup and concentrate on getting points against New York on Saturday? Or, or should they like play a mixture? Or should they just go for this with a Champions League qualification spot on the line, knowing that if they qualify now, the game in Olympia means nothing and they can keep some good guys at home? I, I'd like to see a bit of a mix. Um, I think it's going to be a complete... Um... Uh, a complete switch up again and, and you're gonna see all the the uh, second 11 group um, but I, I also think that that's what Seattle's gonna do as well as play their their second 11 and, and that favors the Whitecaps so I think Robinson will, will be thinking about that when he goes into the game knowing that that you know his second 11 is probably deeper than than Seattle's second 11 um, so even without playing your starters but I'd, I'd like to see even a guy like Laba, uh, you know, who didn't didn't have to play uh, this week. So, you know, other than on, on Wednesday, you could get, put him in for 60 minutes or something like that to start start the match and then still play him again. I mean, he's fit, fit enough to play 60 minutes on Wednesday and then another, you know, full game on Saturday. So um, a couple of those guys going in um, I, is what I would like to see. And uh, But I think it's going to be a complete switch to the second 11. Yeah, I'd like to see a mix as well, but I think we're, what we're going to see is actually just a, a lot of the fringe guys, especially in the back. I could see 
Dean getting a start in the middle, maybe beside Rodriguez. Smith's played two games now in a row, so you have to think Parker's maybe going to come in at right back because Betasure is injured. And then we'll have Adekugbe in at left back. Tornagi and goals are very inexperienced back line. Lab and Flores in front of them. And then that's when I think we, we need to get some quality in the midfield and up front. Otherwise, I think Seattle will play a mixture. And if we don't, it, it could be a bit of a blowout. And then it would still mean that the game in Olympia doesn't actually mean anything so they can they can keep their guys at home. But it would be a disappointing way to end the campaign. Uh, I'm going to disagree with both you guys. I think I think I would like to see a second squad there. Um, at this point, they've won the Voyagers Cup this year. That means they're gonna, definitely going to be going next year to this tournament. So I'd like to see uh, get get these young guys some experience. Um, if we win, we win. If we don't, then it, I don't think it makes too much of a difference. And you have to wonder as well, like. I know you should never say how much of the club want it because Carl says they want to win everything that they go into. Bobby Lenarduzzi's always said that as well. But but the thing that I wonder is like, how much disruption is it going to be if the Whitecaps qualify? They're going to have to bring the players back early for pre-season. They always like to go to Arizona and Portland. Portland would not be an option because the the game would pr- probably be the week of the Portland right. tournament. There could be a chance that Robinson decides to take them to the UK for some some pre preseason warm up, just like Frank Yallop did with Chicago this year. And I mean, you saw the benefit that was to Chicago. And Robo could get some inter- uh, interviews in at that time too. Yeah, that'd be good. Of course, Concacaf, it was just announced last week, are going to be changing the timing of the Champions League, so that's not going to come into in the future. Yeah. So next year's one is going to be great for the White Cats. I think this year, yeah, they would be a little bit sad, but. I think ultimately, if they don't qualify, they're not going to be too up nor too down. And, and the thing is, if they don't qualify, this lets them concentrate on MLS completely for the rest of the season. The Honduras trip will not be a factor at all in uh, October. So, yeah, if they win, it will, that won't be a factor either. But if they lose, it won't be a factor. I think the worst case scenario is a draw where it keeps them in the tournament. Yeah, that... that would probably be a, a nightmare scenario because Olympia then has got a really good chance of qualifying if they win their last group game. And to be honest, I'd rather Olympia went through than Seattle. So I, I'd still set a crappy team down for that. Uh, and an- another thing which we talked about in the last podcast as well, I checked with the Whitecaps. They are not allowed to play USL players in the competition. The players have to have an MLS contract. So the Whitecaps also inquired about that as well because they were thinking ahead. But it has to be players on an MLS contract. You could still send a, a weakened team down there and a, a team with maybe not the full amount of subs as well. So I, I don't think that would be too much of a, an impact. And I mean, the Whitecaps, it's, I think October 22nd is the game in Olympia. And then that's on a Thursday. And then on the Sunday, they play the, the last game of the season against Houston. So, I mean, the supporter shield could be on the line at that. Western Conference title could be on the line. Top two place in the West. So they're not going to want to, to send too strong a team down there, no matter what, I don't think. Even if qualification's up for grabs, it's not going to be a strong team that goes to Honduras. So what, what's your prediction for Wednesday, Steve? Do you think we have a chance or do you think it's going to be Seattle all the way? Well, being the pessimist, I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. I think it's going to be the worst case where they have something to play for in Honduras. I just have a sense that Seattle's going to play a, a pretty strong side. I actually think it might be another 3-0 scoreline, sadly. It also doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of Whitecaps fans making the trip down there. It, what, one of the things I was told is that there's been less than 100 tickets sold, but, I mean, surely that can't be right. But a midweek game, 
for a, a squad that might be like fringe players is kind of kind of understandable. Sad, but understandable. So as we said, we're recording this podcast at Thunderbird Stadium. WFC 2 lost their final game of the season, 3-2 to Austin Aztecs. 2-0 up, two goals from Brett Levi's before a, a great fight back from Austin Aztecs. Disappointing into the season, but let's hear a little bit now from head coach Alan Koch, who's just going to talk about the game, how he feels the season went, and just the, the future of this side and this group of players. So here's Alan Koch. Yeah, it's def- definitely a success. Obviously, the, the number of individuals within our group that have grown immensely during the course of the season is a resounding success. Uh, obviously, we're trying to balance development and trying to win some games, and, and today was a great snapshot of what our season's been like. Uh, play good football, scored two fantastic goals by Brett Levi's, could have scored a few other ones, and then obviously some momentary lapses, and we concede three goals and we lose the game. Um, but positives, we're, we're playing good football uh, within the club model, and positives, we played... Two other teenagers again today that have they got 30 minutes in today's game. Um, so fantastic uh, opportunities for them. Yeah, patience probably is one of the biggest things. Um, it's this is development, obviously. So it takes time. Uh, it takes time to develop individual players. It takes time to build a team. Obviously, the makeup of being essentially our club's reserve team, it's ever it's been continually okay, changing. Uh, but yeah, learnt, learnt a lot. Uh, and I think our entire group has learnt a lot, which will hopefully help us uh, be better next year. I think it's something more as a club that we need to address. So obviously, our first team's had fantastic uh, results this year and won a lot of games. Um, but we'll obviously have to adjust a couple of positional needs that we need as a club uh, because we have players that get loaned down from the MLS team. But then we'll also have to make a couple of key USL acquisitions so we have the right players in certain, in certain positions. Uh, well, we've got a lot of young players uh, and hopefully we're going to retain a lot of these young players, which is great, so we can continue to, to mould them into the type of players we want them to be. We definitely need one or two of the right uh, experienced players. Uh, and we've got a few months, obviously, to address that over the off-season. How has the season shaped you as a coach going through this for the first time? Uh, good question. I, I'm used to winning. Um, so it's it's been, I mentioned patience. That's been my biggest challenge, obviously, is we're having to balance things. Uh, and it's been a growing uh, and learning experience as we've gone along. Uh, I feel like I've learned. I feel like our players have learned. I feel like our WFC2 group have grown uh, and got better. I think our on-field product has got better as we've gone through throughout the season. Uh, and I think it's going to be nice now for us to, to reflect, uh, reflect on the successes, uh, reflect on the areas that we need to adjust and make sure we're better with them um, so we can continue to move forward in the right direction next year. Obviously, you were talking about next year, but uh, what's the next step for them this year? Uh, is there going to be any post-season training? Are you going to keep guys around and work on some stuff and keep kind of chemistry going on? Yeah, I think we're going to definitely train. We're going to train for the next few months, uh, I think, which is going to be great because it gives us actually an opportunity now to actually focus on addressing individual needs. Uh, when you roll from game to game, a lot of the time you're just preparing the team to make sure you get yourself ready for that game. Now we can actually have chats with the players and, and look at certain things and say, hey, you need to work on this. But thankfully, we've got the next two months to actually address those things, which will make them better come next preseason. The three young players that were recently signed, what have, uh, in, the three, in the few games you've seen of them, what have you seen out of them? And what, they're, all, they're obviously going to go back to residency. What, what can they improve on during there? And 
bring back to the Reds? Yeah, great opportunity, obviously, from coming and, and earn professional playing minutes. And I think today was a great snapshot of the step between playing youth football and stepping into a professional team. Uh, I don't think Tommy and Caden did badly by any means. Uh, today was a good development opportunity for them. But they got another taste of it, uh, and hopefully they can grow from that. Uh, I know Terran went away with the residency team this weekend. Uh, I haven't chatted with any of the technical staff yet to see how he did. But they've got to realize that they've got to work hard there so that when they come back to us next preseason, they're going to be ready to make the jump up. Uh, and that doesn't just go for them. That goes for all the other lads in the residency team. We're, we're continuing looking at them. We're continually evaluating them to see who are the right guys that are deserving of these opportunities so we can push them up into this environment and hopefully push as many of them as we can up into the MLS. Brent Levi has a strong game today. He's another guy who you know, receives an opportunity to come into this team. How much have you seen him improve? And, and is he a great example for other players who can come to this team and who knows what the opportunities present? Yeah, fantastic for Brett to score two, two great goals today. Uh, obviously, he's been coming back from injury, got his first minutes last week, did decent in his minutes that he had. Uh, I thought he deserved a start today and he, he obviously went out and put in a great performance. Uh, we knew he would get fatigued because he's not match fit just yet, and that's why we had to take him off when we did. Um, but he had a great game. Uh, he's a good motivator for the young kids. He's a great motivator for the other players of his age. He's a motivator for all of our USL guys that when you get a chance, take it. Uh, and coming in as an attacking player, uh, getting his first start in a long, long time and scoring two goals, that's a great performance. Is Brett also good motivation for players in academy centers that we have across the country now who, if you can make it into our environment, who knows where you can go from there? Yeah, huge. It's obviously he's part of the club model. Um, coming from Saskatchewan, uh, obviously being in a remote area of Canada, it's obviously they haven't received traditionally as many development opportunities. So it's a great opportunity for him to be here. Uh, and I think for some of the players back in the prairies, they see him have success. Obviously, it gives them something uh, to work towards. And he's a great role model for those players. So it was, a, it was a tough loss for the Whitecaps two side today. Uh, let's hear now from Austin head coach Paul Dalgleish, who's going to talk a little bit just about the, the season that Austin had, the first in USL after moving up from PDL, and just about what made him return back to Texas after being assistant coach with RSL last season. Uh, so Paul, a great end of the season for you. I mean, coming back from two goals down, how, how did you see the game? Yeah, it was. I thought we were really good first half, and 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 apart from the the kind of unforced errors, you know, the the we we, took, we conceded a few chances from from unforced errors. But I thought our general play was excellent. I thought we dominated possession, uh, and really played a, a you know a, a nice a nice style to watch. And second half, it was a little bit different. It was a little bit more intensity to the performance, and going down two two goals, it was. Uh, bit of a sickener to be honest but then the guy showed unbelievable spirit and desire to win the last game and, and to be honest with you it was really important because you know it's a long off season in this league and, and to, to finish the last game with a win and that'll take us up two extra places in the final stand and it's important because we're, we're a very young team and a lot of inexperience in the team and you know, it's been mission accomplished this year trying to make young players better and move them on to a higher level and, and, and I feel we've done that. I mean, it's, it's the club's first season at this level at USL. What differences have you noticed from the the time that you were here with the PDL yeah, team? Yeah, well, the, 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 like we tried to do it a little bit differently from the normal uh, standalone teams, if you like. We wanted to be, we wanted to keep our PDL roots and and sign the likes of Ambrose and, and Roker and Devon Perales, who, who you know, two of those three should still be in school. So it was important for us. We wanted to, we wanted to blood these young players and just like we're so proud of seeing. 
Sakutha playing for the Whitecaps, we want to see some of these guys playing in MLS as well. So it was a really successful first year. We feel we've made some young players better and hopefully we can move them on. Uh, so for, for the club and like for, for you yourself, was it an easy decision to, to decide to come back to, to, to Austin from being at RSL and like leaving MLS to come back down to this level? Uh, it wasn't an easy decision, no, because I was really happy at RSL and RSL is a, a fantastic organisation uh, with great people and it was a pleasure working there. So no, it wasn't an easy decision at all, but uh, you know, I, I felt I wanted to, I wanted to come and, uh, I wanted to come and sit in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat, for for a year and see if, see if my ideas were. Well, well, you know, I've put my ideas into practice, um, and you know, I've, I feel I've done that, and you know, don't know what the future holds, but okay, but uh, I think it was the right decision. Obviously, you had Kikusamani uh, with oh, Austin yeah. during the PDL days. How have you seen his growth now that he's with the Whitecaps here in MLS? I think Kikusamani he's, he's transitioned a little bit. He's transitioned a little bit. Um, since he's come here, when he was when he was with Austin, he was a pure goal scorer, really, um, just a kind of real goal scorer. And now, now he's added a different side to his game, where he's he's a little bit he's a little bit more involved in the build-up, uh, and his his work rate certainly improved. And I think I think you know the the guys at Vancouver and, and Carl in particular have done a great job with him. Okay, thanks so much. Thank Pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Paul. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. So check all our stuff out on that. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. And mon the caps. Go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's gonna stay with you for life.